true, isn't it, that our country has been through some terrible troubles the last couple of weeks, yeah? It, it's true. Yeah, you can hear it kind of in the, in the um, way people are praying, the way we're talking. Uh, for some it's with frustration, for some it's with fear, for some it's with pain, uh, struggling just to come to terms with this. I've had family from KZN phoning to say, are you all right? You know, is it happening where you go? Have you been to those areas? Is it on your doorstep? You know, when when you hear it on the news, the details aren't always given. And so my family members from KZN have all been worried. I've been on, I'm on some WhatsApp groups that kind of publishing stuff like, don't go into these areas or please be careful messages. You received some of those? You received some of those? Um, now, I mean, we can talk till the cows come home. Probably everyone's got an opinion, I guess. But we can talk about what the real causes are. We can apportion blame. We can uh, talk about uh, people who have suffered. We've seen protests, violence. We've seen chaos. I mean, this couple of weeks has been tough for our country. Uh, you know, Sabelo, I'll quote him because he's not here for me to double check. So I tried to, Richard and I tried to work it out from uh, Grace uh, United prayer on, on Wednesday, Sabelo came and he said, man, something to the effect of he was feeling quite hopeless when he looked at everything that's been going on. He almost like, oh God, you know, does it even help to engage in prayer? And he said something along the lines of it. When he comes to pray, he realizes that actually that's why we pray, to engage hope and to sow hope and to trust God uh, for our nation. Uh, the names have been withheld to protect the identities of the following couple that I'm going to talk about. But someone close to me told me just yesterday, in fact, that for the first time they went out for breakfast together at a restaurant. And when the bill came, when they looked on, on all the, the, the items, underneath each line item was a minus 10%. And so this person said to the waitress, well, what's this about? They said, no, pensioner's discount. For the first time in their life, and the the, the the irony is that they're not pensioners, but anyway. <laughs> and so she looked at the waitress and she's like, what's going on? And, and the waitress just pointed at, at, at the other party. So clearly, <laughs> according to the waitress, this person qualified for pensioner status. Now, if you're having that for the first time, it's quite a change, isn't it? Um, <laughs> One of my favorite favorite stories is, um, so Tyron Daniel, who leads NCMI, was born in uh, Zimbabwe. And I think at the age, uh, just a couple of months later, his dad was on the mission field. They moved to South Africa. And uh, so I accompanied him and a bunch of other guys to an equip uh, back in uh, Zim. And it was the first time he'd been back in Zim since he was born there. And uh, so we stood up, I don't know, whatever. It was just a few years ago. It was X number of decades. And uh, the guys in Zim said, now, nah, nah, uh, we're pretty close in age. And the guys that stood up said, uh, they saw us traveling together. And so the Zim guys said, man, we're so glad that you came back to Zim. And we're even extra glad that you brought your son. <laughs> now, one day, people are going to talk. I'll be the older party in that conversation for the first time, right? This other couple, for the first time, they were talk, being, being given um, pensioner status. You know, we also have a crazy bunch of people here at Grace Cove Church. Did you know that? I won't even bother to tell you why. But uh, we have this special crazy group of people that are part of our Financial Peace University at the moment. And uh, they radically 
rewiring their understanding about money. And uh, they're beginning tree. And I'm hearing stories from this silly, funny, crazy group of people. Stories like this. We paid cash for our car. Surprised the salesperson so much that they gave us a 10% discount. Netsua. Someone else said over the course of the weeks, we've just rejigged our grocery budget. We're still eating the same, but all of a sudden we've got 500 rand a week extra coming to like spare money in our grocery budget. Someone else said, like, said something like this. We've had a bunch of unforeseen medical expenses, but we could still put 500 rand towards our savings this month. Now, the uh, motto of the whole financial peace process is to live like someone else, to live like no one else now, so that later you can live and give like no one else. We started spring, did you notice? We had like three drops of rain and it turned into winter again. Just when you think the season's changing, apart from these silly crazy guys in short pants and short sleeves. But uh, just when you think it's expected, then the season changes. Here at Grace Cove Church, we're preparing to, preparing to church plant. And we're looking to reach new people in new areas. At Grace United on Wednesday, Richard led us so well. And we prayed into the purpose of God's church. And we looked at different pictures, or Richard used the word metaphors. I always wonder, what's a metaphor? Um, and the metaphors that he used were that of a family, a bride, a field, a priesthood, a body, a new temple. And do you know that not one of those images is a static one? You might say, ha, ah, Craig, what about a temple? Temple doesn't move, but it's a new temple. And the Bible tells us it's a new temple that's built of living stones. So even that which seems static is actually quite dynamic. I want to say to us this morning that change is part of our human experience, whether we like it or not. Have you looked in the mirror lately? <laughs> Have you noticed a few changes? Just keep looking. You'll see changes galore, right? <laughs> As some of us take up new challenges and roles, it creates space and it provides a vacuum for others to fill by taking on new roles themselves. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3 says this. It says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In His mercy, He has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never spoil or fade. Malachi chapter 3 verse uh, 6 says, I, the Lord, do not change. Matthew chapter 18, the next book in the Bible, it says this. It says, unless you change and become like children, you cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. So we sit in this reality that change is yet to stay. We know that God doesn't change, but I have to change if I want to be in his kingdom, be close to him. But humans struggle with change with the uncertainty of the new. The truth is that most human beings prefer the predictable. The uncertain causes us anguish. Am I right? Am I right? So this morning we're going to look at staying constant in change. If we looked at all these areas, these metaphors that I've given of the nation and the season and our own lives and aging and all these changes that happen in life. You can turn with me to Hebrews chapter 11. 
Remember Brendan Locke when he preached here a couple of weeks ago? He said that uh, he reminded us by faith and patience we inherit the land. So Hebrews' theme is to persevere by faith. And we're going to have a look at Hebrews 11, and it gives us this whole long list of all these heroes of, these, of the faith, these people that persevered and saw amazing things as uh, they trusted God. We're going to read from verse 8. So Hebrews chapter 11, verse 8. It says, By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as an inheritance, obeyed and went even though he did not know where he was going. We loved Cape Town. Anyone love Cape Town? We loved Cape Town. We really did. Whenever we went to Cape Town on holiday, it was a great time, not so much. Do you know what was interesting? When we were trying to discover our next, we had got to a stage uh, before we left KZN, we were trying to figure out, God, where, where are we going next? So one of the things we did is we went on holiday, we went back to Cape Town. And obviously, we're looking around saying, God, we like this place. Is this going to be our next? He obeyed and went <laughs> to the place he would later receive as in his inheritance. So there we were. Lord, is this the place that you will later receive as our? You know what? We hated it. It was our worst holiday for years. It rained. Um, the place, the beds were uncomfortable. It was just the worst place. Now, we've been back there since, and it's quite a nice place again. Isn't it amazing how God can speak to you when you ask Him to lead you? And so Abraham obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. By faith, he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city with foundations, whose architect and builder is God. By faith, Abraham, even though he was past age and Sarah herself was barren, was enabled to become a father because he, the alternate reading is she, considered him who is faithful who made the promise. And so from this one man, and he as good as dead, came descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as countless on the, as the sand on the seashore. So Abraham was looking forward. He, he was able to go because he wasn't looking for a place. He was looking forward. to go back there, one Pablo. Um, he was looking forward to a city with foundations. His architect is God. You can give us the next one there, keeping you on your toes. So we have this amazing interaction. So Abraham looked to what God was going to build. Sarah considered the one who had promised. I don't know if you're like me. I hope you are. For me, it's like a really a keystone for me. I have this document on my phone. And every time someone gives me a prophetic word or God speaks to me, I document it. And I share that with people, my friends, who speak into my life. Colette and I obviously carry these things. When I bring it out all the time and I'm praying and I'm trusting, I'm reminding myself what God has said. But isn't it interesting that Sarah wasn't considering the promises. She was considering the one who promised. She wasn't just saying, I'm going to have a baby, I'm going to have a baby, I'm going to have a baby. No, no, she was saying there is a person, a God who has promised. Now, considering him, the rest will take care of itself. Both of them set a culture for all the generations that followed them. Can you imagine if they hadn't done what they had done? then all those generations wouldn't have received 
what God gave to them. It's an amazing thing. It says, uh, intense. Now, can you imagine Sarah? Unless you're a like unusual lady, could you imagine Sarah saying, Abraham, are we moving out of the tent this month? You know, like on month-end weekend, you see all the cars. All of a sudden, there's no, uh, no trailers for hire at the garages because everyone's moving house. You see the fridges on the back of these trailers bouncing down the road. You see, imagine Sarah. Is it this month we leave, we, we're moving out of a tent? I just want a front door, Abraham. You know, where can I put my collection of pots on display? You know, where can I hang my doilies and all of those things? And Abraham chose not to live like his culture around him. He chose to say, True to God. So Abraham obeyed God. Sarah believed in God. And many benefited after them. Do you understand that obedience undeterred brings fruitfulness? I'm wondering what we need to obey. Undeterred. Undeterred. (laughs) I mean, we read it together. It says, he chose to live in tents like a stranger. I don't know about you, man. I find it so easy just to assimilate into the environment that I come into. Yeah? When the country is going through a tough time, it's very difficult not to be the one positive voice in the office. Yeah? When you're going through a tough time, it's very difficult to be the one whistling a happy tune. Am I right? And they chose to be strangers to their context because they were looking to him, considering him. And because of that, they were able to be fruitful, miraculously fruitful. Can you imagine if you and I simply obey and consider the fruitfulness God could bring in our lives? So I'd like to ask you these questions. Who are we looking at and who are we considering? Who are we looking at and who are we considering? (laughs) And it's, I mean, it's, it's, it's counterintuitive because it says Abraham was looking forward to a city. There wasn't a city that he could see around the corner. He was anticipating a city that wasn't even there yet. I love the fact he lived in a tent. You know, sometimes there's a rock under your shoulder. Sometimes there's a soft spot, you know. He was looking forward to a city with foundations. I love that because he was living in a place that had no foundations. It, it didn't exist yet, but he could see it. And she considered him. My goodness, what are we looking at? What are we considering? Are you looking at the thing in front of you? Or are you looking at him and considering him? <laughs> Why don't you come with me to Matthew chapter 7? It's amazing you can read the same passage over and over again and almost every time see something different. But it's equally possible to read the same passage and just read the same thing. Um, we, come, we can become quite familiar with parts of the Scriptures. And uh, this morning I'd like to just show you something that has stood out to me. I, all of a sudden I, I read this in a different way. And the moment I tell you what we're going to read, you'll probably recognize the passage. Matthew chapter 7, we'll read verse 24, the heading in the in the passage, which remember isn't the scriptures, it's just there to help us know what's coming. It says the wise and the foolish builders. Anyone recognize that passage? You can just nod if you do. Yeah, if you recognize that passage, so let's read it. It says, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine, puts them into practice, is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down in the house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. Who used to sing that at Sunday school? 
Remember? The wise man built his house. Remember that one? Yeah? Okay, one, two, three, go. Okay. Remember singing that song? I mean, can you imagine, like he said, imagine the like, different places we all were, singing in different languages and different Sunday school classrooms all over the world, hey? Or over South Africa. And this is the same, same song. Verse 26. Uh, let's read from verse 20. Uh, Verse 26, but everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like the foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and the house on the rock fell flat, remember? Verse 28, when Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one who had authority and not as their teacher's of the law. So you know the story, wise builder, foolish builder, right? But have you ever noticed nowhere is the quality of the building mentioned? I've always read that like, yeah, the guy that got it right worked hard and he did the right thing. The other guy was a chop. He did it bad from beginning to end. That's how I read it. Foolish man. Yes. But you realize that there's no quality given to the building. What's the criteria that decided whether the house would stand or fall? Was the foundations, right? Who is the foundation? The Bible says it's the Word of God. What we hear, we build upon. So the point that I'm making here is that when we focus, we often focus on the quality of the builder, whether he's a wise man or a fool, but we should look at the foundation on which they're building. I think it's less about the quality of the builder's work than the quality of what they were building upon. The best building on a weak foundation is doomed. This is the beautiful power of grace. We sang these amazing songs about the grace of God. Like the grace of God is that my foundation is strong. Even if my building isn't up to scratch, my foundation is strong. I wonder if you recognize, thanks Pablo, I wonder if you recognize this hymn, if you've been around for a while. It says, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame but wholly lean on Jesus' name. The, 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 the chorus goes, On Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. Have you heard that one before? Maybe you've sung it. Now I went and had a look at the, the, the history of the, the hymn. And the guy who wrote this hymn uh, trained as a, a cabinet maker and he was working as a carpenter when he wrote this hymn. He, he went into ministry later in life and uh, he wrote over 100 hymns. But... Uh, this hymn came to him in the morning of a work day. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? I love the detail. Came to him in the morning of a work day. And the thought that dropped into his mind was the gracious experience of the believer's life. It was obviously in the 1800s, so they spoke a little different. <laughs> and so there he was. He went off to work thinking on the gracious experience of the believer's life. And then he thought, how do I put this into words? How do I express God's grace on the believer's life, and he came up with these words. Let me read a few more verses to you. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. When darkness seems to hide his face, I rest on his unchanging grace. In every high and stormy gale, my anchor holds within the veil. 
On Christ's solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. When he shall come with trumpet sound, oh, may I then in him be found, dressed in his righteousness alone, faultless to stand before the throne. Have you ever felt like you're standing on sinking sand? Now, this Financial Peace University we've been, we've been doing, it says, you know, when you, when you don't commit to a new path of action, it's like you're standing on the dock and you've got one foot on the dock and one foot on the boat. And that boat gets further and further. And for a while you can stand, but after a while you either stay on the dock, jump in the boat, or you get wet. Have you felt like there are times where you just, everything around you is shifting? There's very little that you can be secure in. And this hymn writer is trying to express the gracious life of a believer. And he put into words, you notice not one of these lines is dependent on the believer. Christ is a solid rock, dressed in his righteousness. When darkness hides his face, instead of working harder, I rest on his amazing grace. So we've said that change is not the natural environment of the human being. But I'd like to ask us this morning, and we'll answer the question, how do we stay constant in change? Do you know that as a believer, you and I can be constant, we can be firm, our feet can be on the rock in changing times? Do you know that there are people around you every part of your day that do not have the solid hope that we have? And when they see you solid and firm, you can offer them the same thing. So number one, how do we stay constant in change? Number one, we put our hope in Him. I've written the scriptures there. I'll read them for you. We put our hope in Him. Numbers chapter 23 verse 19 says, God is not a man that he should lie, nor the son of man that he should change his mind. Psalm 102 verse 25, it says, The heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you will remain. They will pass away, but you are the same. Malachi chapter 3, we read already, for I, the Lord, do not change. James chapter 1 verse 16, do not be deceived, my dear brothers and sisters. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of heavenly lights, who does not change like the shifting shadows. Even when I'm not sure of where the future lies or when the world around me seems to be shifting and shaking, He does not change change. If I'm set on Him, I can be constant. So I put my hope in Him. The second thing is I put my hope in His Word. Put my hope in His Word. Do you remember that even Jesus, uh, Luke chapter 4, it tells us He was full of the Spirit, led by the Spirit into the desert. He fasted for 40 days. Then you may remember the devil comes to tempt Him. And the devil says these words in Luke chapter 4 verse 3. It says, if you are the Son of God, notice how the devil tries to, what's the word, unsettle what's firm, the Word of God. He questions to make it doubtful, to make it unstable. He says, if you are the Son of God, don't you love that? I mean, created being talking to its creator, saying, if you are who you say you are. I mean, I mean that's rich. You've you got to imagine, you know, that's like the, the lowest guy in the company talking to the boss saying, huh, who do you think you are? Yeah, yeah. 
It says, if you are the son of God, then tell these stones, tell the stone to become bread. And the heavens grew dark and the birds stopped tweeting. There was a hush and Jesus pointed his finger and lightning burst forth and smote the devil. Is that what happened? Did you, I was wondering why no one was looking confused yet. Did, did, is that in the scriptures? I mean, this is the God of all creation. He spoke the word and everything came into being. He had a rich arsenal at his disposal. Yeah? And what does Jesus rely on? Himself. He says, it is written. Man, folk, I want to say if Jesus relies on the written word of God, when everything is being questioned, man, <laughs> who are we not to? Yeah? You know, the amazing thing about Jesus' word is it's comforting, right? The Bible says his word is a comfort to my soul. It's comforting. It's directing. Your word is a lamp to my feet. It's directing. <laughs> but wait for it. The third one is it's unsettling. Have you ever been unsettled by God's word? I don't know if you read the, you know, if you'd have your devotion in the morning, but you open, open your Bible and you read it in the morning, you go, oh man, my eyes, I wish I hadn't read that. <laughs> your neighbors had a party all night and you haven't slept a wink and then you open your eyes and you read, love your neighbor. You're like, oh Jesus, I wish I hadn't read that today. Yeah? <laughs> Maybe you've been listening with, <laughs> to the Bible in your ears and it's like you, 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 you want to get that earphone out of your ear as quick as you, you can and Try and, you know, I didn't hear that. I probably didn't hear that. Because once you've heard it, man, I think God is at work sometimes. He has to unsettle us. Because we tend to rely. We find stability in the wrong things. I don't know, what's, I don't know how you, what you're like when, you know, when your industry goes through some difficult times, some restructuring. All of a sudden, your job is a little bit um, uh vulnerable, vulnerable. And you, you're not too sure. And uh, all of a sudden you're thinking, man, but it's okay because I've got some money in the bank. <laughs> I can weather a few months if the worst comes to the worst. I've got some money. Yeah? And we put our hope in, uh, in our money. Yeah? You know? Sometimes we, et cetera, et cetera. I, I can give you lots of examples. But man, we must be careful that we put our hope in the wrong thing. Even Jesus put his hope in the Word of God. Because it stands. His word is a rock that we can stand on. Sometimes he unsettles us. <laughs> Do you know the chief end of Christianity is not your and my comfort? I'm sorry for that. Because we don't offer <laughs> a life of comfort here at Grace Cove. We offer his comfort in our lives, sure. But sometimes the best work God can do in your life and mine is actually to discomfort us. Ask the mother bird who has to provoke the little bird to jump out of the... Sometimes when we are putting our... We're looking for strength in the wrong things. All, all about me is shifting sand. He brings us back to knowing Him, finding our strength in Him. The third thing that we can find, stay constant in change. The third thing is we put our hope in His people. We put our hope... In his people. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23, it says, Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, and let us con consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. 
not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another all the more as the day approaches. Psalm 92 verse 12, it's written there for you. Psalm 92 verse 12 says, The righteous will flourish like a palm tree. Who would like to flourish? Anyone like to flourish? Like a palm tree. I mean, like green and spiky. I don't know. What, how did like palm trees, I don't know. How does a palm tree flourish? Yeah? But that sounds like a good thing. I mean, the metaphor sounds like a good thing. It says they will grow like a cedar of Lebanon. Now, cedars were transported around the world to build buildings in the day. They were like, you really wanted to be called uh, named after this. It says, you want to be like that, Psalm 92 tells us. Verse 13 says, planted in the house of the Lord, they will flourish in the courts of our God. Man, you see, because you, you want to flourish in God, you don't wait for everyone to go home and then sneak in. In our context, Solly's still cleaning, you know. You sneak in and you come sit in the front row by yourself saying, okay, Lord, I'm going to flourish now. Flourish me, Lord. It doesn't make any sense. It's because the church isn't a building. The church is people. And when we are planted in a group of his, when we're planted in the family of God, apparently, that's the secret to flourishing. We put our hope in his people. The story goes that a pastor went to go and visit a guy that had been a bit um, absent from church. And it was winter time. The guy had a fire, coal fire going in the grate. And they chatted a bit. And eventually the pastor stood up and he went to the fire and he took the tongs and he put, took a coal out and he just put it on the hearth, just on the bricks. And sat down and they carried on chatting. And that coal went from bright red to dull orange to like a gray. Eventually went dark and the, the, the gray ash started to form on the outside. Pastor stood up, he took the tongs, he picked up the coal, he put it back in the fire, when it sat down, and it went from gray to orange to bright red. The pastor said to the guy, I'll see you next Sunday. The guy said, yes, pastor. How do we stay constant in change? We put our hope in him, put our hope in his word, put our hope in his people. The fourth one is we put our hope in his prophetic promises. We put our hope in his prophetic promises. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 verse 19 or verse 20 tells us, do not treat prophecies with contempt. Test them and hold on to what was good. We've read Hebrews 11. It says, um, she considered him faithful who made the promise. Man, like I told you, I've got a list of things God has promised. How do I stand constant when I don't see? And there's some, some stuff that God has said to us. I don't know how it will work out. But man, that's his, <laughs> that's his responsibility. I've just got to stay faithful. Look forward and consider him. Can you imagine Abraham and Sarah? Can you imagine how far-fetched that story was? But they were firm. God, you have promised. And we will trust you. We keep, put our hope in his prophetic promises. God, you have spoken. I will trust you and I will wait and watch with anticipation to see you bring it to pass. The, the last one is we put our hope in his purpose. We put our hope in his purpose. You know, um, <laughs> my father was one of those men who had an incredibly strong work ethic. When it came to retirement age, he was running his own business. He just kept on working. And eventually, every time the family got together, we spoke about, well, when's dad going to stop working and enjoy life? You know, when, and I mean, they did. They took a few more holidays and stuff. 
But we were all thinking, when on earth is this guy going to just take a rest and do what he wants to do? And it was quite interesting because even as his workload diminished, it was like the amount of hours he spent at his desk just stayed the same. I was like, I'm wondering, is he just making up stuff to do at his desk, you know, answering the phone and and forgive me, I'm a guy and I'll probably be exactly the same, you know, trying to be all like uh, important, talking to the bank and, you know, sending some emails and, and, and all of those kinds of things. I think one of the scary things, and maybe you need to ask those who have done this, but when I look at my parents, I think the scary thing about getting to that age of retirement is you get to that age where you're not sure what your purpose is anymore. And if our purpose is in shifting things, then our purpose will be shaky. That passage that the guy, he tries to store up bonds and, and wealth and all of this stuff. And the Bible says, you foolish man, that night it's required from you. Man, what we have can go like this, right? And God can give it to us like that. I, I keep coming back to Joseph. He woke up in the prison. He went to sleep in the palace. Not even 24 hours, his life changed. Now, if your faith is in your context, context can change for good or bad. He was the boss of the guy's house. One shout from the wife and he was in the prison. Can change. If our purpose is in the wrong thing, it's unstable. It will cause us worry. Acts chapter 13 verse 36, it says, Now when David had served God's purpose in his own generation, he fell asleep. <laughs> I love that. It's like he'd just done everything God had asked him to do. So then he could go and be with God. Simple like that. Ephesians chapter 3 verse 10, his intent was that now through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known. Man, you might not know the specific purpose of God, but can I tell you his purpose for every single one of us is to make known the wisdom of God, to seek and save the lost, to let people see Jesus. The, 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 the details might just be your specific way to accomplish that. So if you're trying to figure out what's my purpose on life, you say, I'm not Billy Graham, I'm not a preacher, that's fine. You, whatever you are, the purpose should be that people might see Jesus. Whatever the purpose is, we put our hope in His prophetic purposes. Just a couple of, two more things and I'll finish. Hebrews chapter 12 <laughs> says once more, I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. The words once more indicate the removing of what can be shaken, that is, created things, so that what cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, <laughs> let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe. Man, that's a tough passage to read. It says there will be some shakings. Some rattlings and some rollings. So that the shakeable things will shake off. That's the purpose of a gym membership, isn't it? Everyone comes out of winter with a little bit that can shake, that shouldn't shake. The more we train, the more we are shaken, the less we shake. Yeah? We are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. It's like God will bring circumstance that will shake 
so that those things that are shakeable will shake off. So that only what cannot be reasons on any of us. Trust me. I'm not prophesying <laughs> the da-da-da moments. But can you understand that God is at work proving himself, bringing us to be that people that will not be shaken. Come shifting sands, come darkness hiding his face, we will stand firm and unshakable. You can give us that uh, final slide there, Pablo, thanks. You may remember this song, I think it's by Jesus Culture, higher than the mountains that I face, stronger than the power of the grave. Constant through the trial and the change, one thing remains. One thing, not my bank balance, not my job in an industry that's secure. I'm an academic, I've got tenure, no one can take my job. No ways. Your love never fails, it never gives up, it never runs out on me. My debt is paid, there's nothing that can separate my heart from your great love. I wonder if you'd stand with me. I'm going to pray in a moment. I've just got one, a little strange illustration to make so that we can pray. Anyone remember the game Mastermind? Mastermind? All you guys that are supposed to be young. Those are, it's like an old game. Eh? Mastermind? It's a game we used to play often when we were doing car trips because it's got this little kind of plastic holder. And the game is you get little colored pegs and there's a whole lot of holes, and you put the pegs in the holes. And on the one side, you can make a pattern, thank you. You can make a pattern which your opponent can't see. And then the opponent guesses with all the other pieces, a blue and a yellow and a pink and a green and a whatever. And then they decide, okay, you've got three out of four wrong, two out of four, and you keep changing until you match it. And I felt like God was saying to us in the light of being constant in change, that you may feel like you've been unplugged from your socket, your hole. And you know when those, you open that thing and you're sitting in the car and you go over a bump, all those little pegs scatter all over. And then how do you get them from the under the car and between the seat and under sister and, you know, all of those things out the window? I felt God wanted to remind us that He doesn't change. His purpose is to take us, to put us securely in that which will not shift and change. So Jesus, we ask you for each other. We thank you, God, that you are the one that does not change. Regardless of our circumstances, you are true and you stand firm. In the same words that we looked at that hymn, Lord, when everything else is changing around me, <laughs> my trust is in you, the unchanging one. Father, I pray that you would help us. There's so many things. The environment around us is shifting and shaking. And I pray, Jesus, we would find our strength and our security in you alone. Lord, where we've put our hope, where we've found stability in other things, I pray this morning, Lord, that you would help us to find them in you alone. That we, like Abraham, would obey. We, like Sarah, would consider you and so, Jesus, you would be able to bring fruit in our lives. 
of purpose which comes from being rooted in God. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. God bless you. Have a great week. We've got some tea and coffee outside in the courtyard. The guys will have the boxes at the door. And we'll take up the tithes and the offerings as you go.